Hey, Mark, I have a question for you. Sure. What's up, Paco? Can something exist in the past, the present, and the future? No, that sounds confusing. Uh, I think you have to pick one. Okay, maybe. When did Socrates live? I believe from around 470 to 390 BCE. So, in the past? Yeah. But what if you were alive in, say, 380 BCE? Socrates would have been alive in the present. Sure. And if you had been alive in, say, 500 BCE, Socrates would have been alive in the future. And? So that means Socrates was alive in the past, the present, and the future. I thought you said something couldn't exist in the past, the present, and the future. Well, it's relative to where you're at in time. It's relative to now. But if all these events are just laid out in a series, Socrates' birth, Socrates' trial, Socrates' death, how do we know when now is? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll find out on today's show. That's right. Maybe we'll find out on today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to You've Got It All Wrong, a philosophy podcast for handsome people like you. I'm Paco Allen. I'm Mark Sanders. And I'm Chad Allen. So today we wanted to talk about philosophy of time, which is the topic of Paco and Mark's brief chit chat. Our impromptu spontaneous. Yes. <laughs> just spontaneous. You guys are such great. It just came to us. Improvisers. <laughs> uh, we didn't have a show topic before we came in here to record today. And then I just uh, that, that question popped into my head. Yeah. And it, well, here you go. Yeah. Philo- so philosophy of time. So it's a big topic. We're going to try to carve off a little slice of it and talk about how time flows or our experience of time flowing and whether or not that's a real thing or perhaps just an illusion and just kind of how the progression of time works in general. And the main things we're going to be talking about, right, are A, theory time and B, theory time. Yeah, right. So so who came up with this? <laughs> oh, well, thanks for asking. Uh, so, uh, yeah, in contemporary philosophy, there's sort of like two schools of thought about how time works and lots of variations therein and then a lot of people who don't believe either one of those um including the guy who kind of came up with the terminology um jme mctaggart uh, who wrote a paper in 1908 called the unreality of time where he sort of outlined these two ways that time might work the a series and the b series so he, he wrote that um, just before Einstein really kind of broke onto the scene with his big achievements. Well, right? just after. I well, think it was written. I think it was written right after. Gen- General was published in 1911. Yeah, but, but he wrote it right after Special. Oh. Okay. Which is weird because you would think that general relativity would have become come before Special Relativity. Mm. But Special Relativity came first. So, yeah, but he wrote it. I think he wrote it like five years after Einstein like, yeah. first started to put together his ideas of relativity, which obviously are related to time and will come into play in this conversation right. later. I don't think but... McTaggart was following that, though. No. But that's cool. So, like, <laughs> like the, the invention of the light bulb happens simultaneously by people on different tracks and it'll yeah. happen at the same time that time was just uh, in the air. I don't know. What, he was in Scotland. God only knows what he was doing. Oh, the, Pro- the, well, the Scottish Enlightenment was very big for philosophers <laughs> at that point. Uh, so before we move on, a couple things about John McTaggart. Yes. J-M-E McTaggart. Yeah. Lots of initials in there. I feel like we should go back to having like 
I would. I kind of want a name where it's just initials before my last name, like JCVD. What's that? Jean Claude Van Damme. Yes, that's like how, that's how he's contemporarily known. <laughs> really? or, or the uh, or the noted podcaster CGP Gray. Right. Well, I I'd, I've always wanted to kind of be CG Allen. Didn't you write under that name at one point? Yes, oh. I did. And if you go to Amazon, you can find my Pulitzer Prize winning <laughs> novel, which you. You know, most people don't know it's me because it's written under C.G. Allen. It's called The Goldfinch. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, well, uh, if you want a sweet name that's got lots of initials in them, you can do what John uh, McTaggart did, uh, which is put two names in twice. Because <laughs> J.M.E. McTaggart stands for John McTaggart Ellis McTaggart. <laughs> now, did did, so he, did he do that or was that, was that forced <laughs> upon him by him? his parents? Sort of a little bit of both, I think. So you know the story, John. I know the story. So he was named after his uncle's surname was McTaggart. And so he, he was his middle name, his given middle name was McTaggart after his uncle, hmm. John McTaggart Ellis, right? Uh, John McTaggart Ellis. Yeah. John the McTaggart, McTaggart came from his uncle. No, no, McTaggart came from his uncle. But then there, so in order to get his inheritance from his uncle, his family had to take his uncle's surname as their surname. Basically, in order to get his hands on his uncle's loot, the Ellis family had to change their, had to put, tack on McTaggart as a surname. So, so you just need to publish under Chad Allen, Gordon Allen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get, I'll be the heir to the Allen fortune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so last thing I want to say about John McTaggart, if you look him up and see the like classic portrait of him that's on Wikipedia and everywhere uh, else. And in show notes. <clears throat> uh, yeah, it'll be the show notes. <laughs> Um, don't go to Wikipedia, go to the show notes first. Uh, personally, he reminds me of Jonathan Quayle Higgins Third. Oh, yes. Uh, or Higgy Baby from Magnum <laughs> P.I. Um, but then also the fact that it's like shot in black and white in kind of like a really formal way makes it look like a presidential portrait. Hmm. And he kind of looks like a Truman and Roosevelt had a baby who then became the most <laughs> With powerful president of all time. Yeah. And well, then they based the character of Higgins on that president. That super president. <laughs> the super president, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so be sure to check that out in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyways, we should probably start talking about time here at some point. A-series time? You want to walk us through that, Chad? Sure. So A-series time, I would say, kind of is is the sort of how we maybe most naturally think and talk about time, which is this idea that um, there's a now and that everything's happening either now in the present or has happened in the past or will happen in the future and we kind of move through time so that the present now becomes the past and the future becomes the present. And so there's sort of this like time is this thing that's actually moving forward along with us. And that's kind of how we talk right. about like the it. The present is constantly moving forward. There's right. only one present. There's right. only one now. And that the future like hasn't happened and the past has already happened. Right. For me, the only weird thing about the description of this um, because again, like I, I think you said, it is kind of the intuitive model of time. It, it best describes time as we kind of generally experience it as people. Uh, but there's this weird idea about things moving from the future into the present. Yeah. Right. Which, which, which doesn't, which is like a weird way to describe it, especially if you think about things intuitively and don't believe in things like determinism that the future has already been set. The idea that the future moves into the present. Well, you uh, could also say we move into the future. Yeah. Anyways, like I, I do think that that like you you come across that type of description in 
a theory time and it, it's the one part about the description of it that seems a little bit like counterintuitive it, yeah. it, it's also not perfect as well and and you see that in the metaphors we kind of try to hang on and map to time so like t- take this i don't know thought experiment uh there's a meeting um at, at two o'clock um and the i can't t- come <laughs> The, the team, the oh, team, the team you're meeting with uh, can't also can't make it at two o'clock. <laughs> They'd like to reschedule to three o'clock. Yeah. Would you say uh, you're moving that meeting up or back? I'd say I'm moving it back. But you're moving it back. But you're moving through time <laughs> to a later date. You're moving forward, essentially. Right. In you're moving that meeting forward in time. This is what it's like to work with Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, because you're like, can we move that meeting back? And Mark's like. Hold on a second. Yeah, are we moving it back or are we moving it up? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're moving it forward in the in the direction of the arrow of time. The numbers one, two, three, they're moving up. And it gets to work. About- if you want to move it more than an hour and it moves into a different week, then you got to have a conversation with Mark about is it next week, right, or the week after next, or next week Thursday, right. yeah. Th- Thursday week, Thursday week. Jeez, I'm so glad I don't work with you guys. Anyways. Well, so t- McTaggart. <laughs> McTaggart. <laughs> Who else does he remind you of? <laughs> what was your favorite Magnum P.I. episode? The the crossover with Murder, She Wrote. Was, oh. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, was was Higgins actually? Robin Masters. Robin Masters. Well, no, because in the finale, you see him without anyone around in the room on a phone for no reason, not having to pretend that. That, that he and him are two different people. He's on the phone talking to him. Like, why would he pretend to talk to someone you, if he is him? You remember the finale of yeah. Magnum P.I. way better than I do. <laughs> I will uh, put a link uh, in the show notes to uh, Netflix where you can watch it. Yes. Show notes. Okay. Um, so uh, what else is uh, unique or special about A Theory Time? Well, um, you guys kind of touched on it in the opening, the... Uh, so let's not forget that McTaggart wrote this article about A series time and B series time because he was basically saying, here are the two ways that you can describe time and both of them suck and I can poke holes in both of them. And that's why the article was called The Unreality of Time. And so what he said about A series time uh, was essentially what you were saying in the opening, Paco, which is that it, in A series time, you have to say that any given event has the property of being in the past the property of being in the present and the property of being in the future. And he says, like, that doesn't make any sense to say that one thing has all three of those properties because they're contradictory. Right. So one of the main arguments that A-series backers will bring up to defend that version of time theory is the idea that no event has all those properties simultaneously. Right. Every event at one point will have the property of pastness, at another point, presentness, and another point, futurity. But as the A-series argument goes, those properties are mutually exclusive, and no point in time will ever have more than one of those properties simultaneously. Right. So events move from having futurity to having presentness to having pastness. But that leads us down a crazy path, because an event that will happen tomorrow, like the moment you wake up in the morning, is currently in the future, but at some point, it will be in the present, and then in the past. So you end up having to add this second layer of description. Those are called um, second-order temporal properties. So right now, the event of waking up tomorrow has present futurity, meaning right now in the present, that event has the property of futurity. Right. And it also has future presentness. 
uh, in the future, it will have the property of presentness. And it also has future pastness. And then if that wasn't confusing enough, when your alarm does go off tomorrow and you wake up, that event will have present, presentness, past, futurity, and future pastness. So we just added third-order temporal properties. And we can go on adding new layers, fourth, fifth, sixth temporal order properties, and so on. But we still have conflicting temporal properties, just a lot more of them. It creates an infinite regression yeah. of contradictions, yes. basically. And you've also used a definition of time to describe time. So you have yeah, like I think nested, that's the other way of saying nested it, yeah. definitions of yeah. time. So then there's B-series time, right, which... which McTaggart says is the other way of, of thinking about time, which is to think about time as just being laid out as a series of events, some of which are earlier than others or later than others. So you can think about it like a big movie reel, right, where it's just like a series of frames. Some of those frames are earlier in the reel than others, and some are later in the reel than others, but there's no tense to that right there's no this thing uh is in the present and that thing is in the future just like one thing is earlier or later than another and our concept of now is purely an artifact a side effect of right. the way we perceive right. the world around us and the analogy there is like okay to continue the film analogy like now is whatever frame is being projected onto the screen at any given instant right and so you can yeah. think about sort of our perception of now is right is, is some weird illusion or artifact of our consciousness right and so the reason that mctaggart didn't like this theory of time is that there's no really good explanation of what that projector light is an analogy to if events are just laid out in a series of earlier and later events then what's the magic thing that defines where we're at right like, now in that series what is this what is, where is the cosmic playhead that's moving through the tape right exactly yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that this also causes other problems for a lot of people, which is like this version of time really leads you down a path of determinism. I mean, I think that that's a big hang up for a lot of people is that the idea that all of these things exist simultaneously and that we're just experiencing them in a particular order, like really way more than a theory time puts you in a place where you have to start to contemplate determinism and and the and the notion that the future is no different from the past or the present and that it's all laid out and that we're just experiencing it it just it brings that conundrum and that topic and that debate much more front and center with that yeah. theory of time than it is with a series time yeah for sure a theory time okay i think one of the things you know, we talked a little bit about the fact that that Einstein's special theory of relativity was, you know, that he kind of developed that and published that right around the same time that McTaggart was publishing his stuff on A Theory and B Theory Time. And I think this is where physics and time philosophy start to merge pretty heavily, which is, I think for a long time, a lot of physicists favor B Theory Time because yeah. it works much better or it works period yeah. with quantum mechanics and um and and general theory of re relativity and special theory of relativity in terms of describing how the universe works and describing time as a component 
Right. Um, it, you know, in the same way that light and mass are described in those theories. Do we know if Einstein was aware of the A theory, B theory descriptions? Well, uh, I mean, I don't know if he was aware of them specifically, but he definitely made comments about time. I mean, clearly because mm-hmm. it was part of his work, but he made comments about time that were much more, I think, in line with B theory time, you know, where he basically described. Yeah, I have a quote right yeah. here. He said, us physicists believe the separation between past, present, and future is only an illusion, although a convincing one. Mm. There, there was an anecdote about um, a, a friend of his passed away, and he went to visit um, his his widow. Uh, and he tried to console her by saying that um, her husband, his good friend, uh, is alive at a point in the time continuum that they're just not experiencing right now. So she shouldn't right. be so sad that he <laughs> isn't alive right now because the fact that he is alive is something that exists, which right. is, it was recorded as the fact that it wasn't too consoling but very accurate. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that's very like B-series time uh, type of view of the world. Uh, and it, because it's sort of, you can see why it appeals to scientists because it kind of removes the dependence on, you know, sort of like a human subjective ex- experience of past, present, future. Mm. There seems to be a thing in, in, um, in high level physics and string theory and quantum physics where, uh, you, you often hear that it would be a lot easier if we just didn't have time. The equations right. would be a lot simpler. <laughs> if we if we didn't have to restrict ourselves to just three dimensions, everything would be a lot. The math would be a lot easier to do. Everyone. Yeah, I I think part of it is that we experience time in a really specific way, and when you try to make time make sense with physics, which it's clearly related to, because we've been able to measure and repeatedly produce the effects of time dilation, time behaves in a mind-boggling way when we actually start to measure it and look at it as a as a property of the universe. And so I think that people are still grappling with it and struggling with it to make it make sense with all of the physics that we've been able to test and measure, but also make sense with the way that we experience the world. Well, and th- and that's why that's why there's this tendency, I think, among people who lean towards B theory, which is to say that our experience of time is just this like weird subjective artifact of mm. human consciousness that it doesn't really map to any of our theories about how the world works or anything in physics. And I think that that's sort of borne out by the challenge that we have in sort of intuitively understanding time in the context of relativity and so like you know the idea that as you travel faster time slows down is like but only to an external observer right right like your time clock remains consistent within your sure doesn't see yeah it doesn't seem to you yeah like time is moving at a different rate but (laughs) my point is that it it is and yet it it doesn't appear that way to you. So I mean, it's one of those things that like we, it's weird because we can produce that effect in repeatable scientific experiments. Like they send atomic clocks up with every astronaut to the ISS and, 
And even the tiny fraction of a difference in the speed that they're traveling versus the rest of us, the speed that the rest of us are traveling on the surface, when they come back down, their clocks have moved slower relative to Mm. our clocks, right? And that just, it doesn't even make sense, right? (laughs) I can say those words and we can measure all that. And scientists say, yeah, like, yeah, that's how it works. But that sentence sounds like a paradox. It, 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 it barely makes sense. And that's the smallest fraction of yeah. of what you can do in terms of warping and bending and manipulating time like on a on large scales yeah another example of that is the one i found is not just from an experimental point of view but every gps satellite that's swarming around the the the, the planet has a clock in it that needs to be in sync with the clocks that we use on our devices that can read the, the GPS data and the clocks have to run slower on the satellites because they're going so fast and they're away from the planet. Like, But they're if, not even going that fast. Like relative yeah. – in terms of relative – like if you want to talk about this getting close to the speed of light and the kinds of time dilation you'd see at that speed – it's hardly perceptible the difference in speed that those satellites are going to us and you still have to adjust right, their yeah. time to make sure that they sync up with the devices down right. here on earth but it's not like if you were on one of those satellites you would feel like time was slowing well down. no but e- but <laughs> but even if one of those satellites was approaching the speed of light you wouldn't feel like time I know was that's down. my point yeah. so it's like yeah. to me that sort of speaks to the fact that it's hard to square our subjective experience of time with the objective reality of time, right? Because we're saying that the time is slowing down on the satellites relative to time on the surface. But if you were on one of those satellites, your experience of time and how you flow or move through time would be exactly the same as it is if you were standing on the surface. So there, to me, that says there's some kind of weird disconnect between how time actually works and how we perceive it yeah i think so for sure i mean i'll bring this up a little bit in the second half of the show but i think in a lot of ways uh physicists are starting to tackle the time component of of like unified theory of everything after they've already tackled the other stuff that yeah you know like gravity and mass and the speed of light and all those things. Um, I kind of have a, a layman's view that it's the last big piece that's been tackled from a physics standpoint. Um, and it's, and it's because it, it makes so little sense when you start to look at it on at large scale, you know? And I think that, I think that it, it's, it's kind of being tackled in the same order that, a lot of other aspects of unified theory have been tackled where you start to look at things in like this in, in very small scale in what you can directly sample. Right. So like if an apple had actually fallen from a tree and hit Newton on the head, which, you know, that's an apocryphal story, but Newton starts to look at gravity from a really small self-contained world of how does gravity work between me and this tree and this apple and the earth and then you start to look at gravity you know you start to observe the planets in our solar system and see how orbits work and think about gravity in that way and then you look at galaxy solar systems and galaxies but there comes a breaking point where your model for how gravity works 
in a relatively small contained uh, scale, like breaks when you get out to trying to understand how gravity works, looking at the universe. Yeah. And I think we're finding the same, physicists are starting to find the same thing with time and a lot of other aspects of unified theory where things work at a certain, the math works at a certain scale and the model works at a certain scale. But anytime you try to like step out and understand it at a universal level, you kind of have to like rethink the paradigm of how all that stuff works. And, and the same in the opposite direction when you look at the quantum level that time starts behaving in a different way then as well. Yeah. So I just try to ignore that level usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the American way, right? Like right. Bigger bigger's better. <laughs> Quantum's for losers. Yeah, it's totally. Um, okay. So, so time isn't real. I think that we're going to, I, are we going to agree with, McTaggart, McTaggart. Like in the same way that... Uh, <laughs> you weren't stuttering there. <laughs> no. <laughs> in, um, in the same way that I, our, our fragile human brains, because we're born into this three-dimensional world, can't conceive perceptually of anything at a higher level of, of dimensions. Well, there's that. Yeah. But also, I think... Um, the human eye can't see colors that the, the, uh, the cones and the rods in the back of our retina are, aren't capable of processing. Yeah, but I think McTaggart's argument is even deeper than that, which is that time is not actually a thing that exists. Like, you, there's no way to form a coherent definition of what time is. And so if you can't form a co coherent definition of what it is, it's just like a word that we're using to, like, as a placeholder for something. Yeah, I think maybe halfway, no through, halfway through um, reading the research for this episode i i might have been somewhere close to agreeing with him um but I, I i kind of now i start i feel like that's a little bit of a like an egotistical approach to it like you know mctaggart mctaggart can't conceive <laughs> of time based on what i understand can you say so, that with a scottish accent no i mean I, <laughs> it's been in the back of my head the whole time but i think mark's the closest to it uh, well, yeah. since, since my since I'm half Scottish, yeah, since you're yeah. Ha half Scottish, half Australian, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I also but, I prefer the nickname M squared as well for McTaggart McTaggart. <laughs> <laughs> but I I, th I I think I think the the idea that there's these two theories of time that are over a hundred years old that don't totally explain it and therefore time doesn't actually exist is like a pretty weak cop out. And I think that it is like, it's a required part of physics. Like, Can we get a famous physicist on the phone right now? What, uh, are you like somebody going to do a bad Stephen Hawking impersonation? <laughs> is, this a, is this a bit that we're going to do? No, or? It's, not oh, a, okay. it's not a bit. Uh, no. then, no, then the answer is no. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nope. My, my my whole thing is like, you know, for hundreds and thousands of years of human evolution, nobody was struggling with this idea and everyone was quite happy to all agree on the same version of what time was. And suddenly like, oh, I think it can be something else. Was someone banging down his door because they were like struggling <laughs> well, with it? Well, but you're just talking about all of philosophy now. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and also, you know, like all of this stuff, there's conversations from the ancient Greek philosophers 
where they talk about can never step in the same river twice. Heraclitus. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's, that's the a, predecessor to this conversation. Time, yeah. yeah, that's a time theory conversation. Every, so, ever since we had time to sit around and bullshit about stuff like this, <laughs> people have been arguing about things like the nature of time. So agriculture is the, right. the mother of philosophy? Yeah, I think that's how I would say it. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, the mother of TM. all bullshitting, including <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. yeah. It's the mother of all problems. Um, did you guys come across sea theory time? I saw that. I saw Wikipedia it, page. and then I was like, oh, "That's one too many." Oh, I've read. <laughs> I've um, seven paragraphs deep in this Wikipedia article. I can't do the last one. It's the last paragraph before the notations. <laughs> I was. I got stuck on the McTaggart. Uh, rabbit hole. I, I, was, I, I, I was tracking down that. I, I, I read oh, it. Who does this guy remind me of? <laughs> I read it like A theory. Sure, we all agree on that. B theory, a new radical, you know, useful theory. C marketing term. Someone just wanted to get on on some of that that time theory. Yeah, it is like an offshoot of it's. It's. it's a, so tell us it's about like, C theory. It's like B B point two. It's it's someone it's someone saying like oh we're we're web 3.0. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, but okay, tell us about C series. Well, it's not that interesting and now Mark's made it. It's not now I'm going to sound like that guy. Now I'm the Mark guy. Hey, have you guys heard of C theory time? Um so For, uh, when you travel on ocean liners, that's C theory time. Yeah, right? well, I mean, look. <laughs> look. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Perfect use of the bell, yeah, by the way. The bell, the bell indicates the worst joke of the evening, <laughs> um, which we know is not going to happen in the future because <laughs> that was the worst joke that could have been done. Um, so uh, C theory time, from my understanding, is really similar to B theory time and that all moments exist simultaneously, uh, but they aren't moving in one direction. Like even B theory time... Yeah. Um, things exist in the past relative to other things and exist in the future relative to other things. It's tense, tenseless. And they, they only but, exist once in each of those times. But in C theory time, all of those moments exist simultaneously, but there isn't even a direction that they are experienced in. And one of them doesn't exist before the other one. It's like if you imagine the alphabet. Yeah. As a timeline, but A isn't the first letter and Z isn't the last letter. They just exist in that order and they could ex- and you could go sobriety style Z to A <laughs> or yeah. A to Z. One of those isn't the future, one of those isn't the past. That's one's just, not earlier or later it's than the, the other. order that they exist in, but they don't have a they don't have a starting point and an end point or an end point and a starting point. It's just like it could go L M N O P or P O. Yeah, this it, is this is why it. that sobriety test is bullshit. Yeah. Can't do it when you're sober. In, uh, in, Are you uh, sober? Well, no, but that's <laughs> in, not uh, the point. In, in Big Bang Theory, um, uh, you can calculate the fact that the center of the universe is at every point of the universe. Like, it, like, right? Yeah, here, they're the, all moving yeah, away. All yeah, points this, are moving yeah. away from and, each and, other. All, and all yeah. points were in the center at one point. So this table right. that we're looking at is also in the center of the universe. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're sitting around it. I thought this was the center. This is maybe a center. Oh. There can be more than one center. I think t- technically there's a town in uh, Kansas who's declared themselves to be the center of the universe. Really? And that's like their claim to fame. In the, <laughs> for the same way that everywhere could be a claim that they are also the center of the universe, that they were the first to do it. 
Also, there's a place in Kansas that is actually the center of the United States as well. So maybe that's what they got the idea really? from. Hmm. That sounds more like the origin of it. Yeah. yeah. Are you you're the center of the United States? We're the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So is C is C theory of time a contender, or it sounds to me like it has the same problem, which is that it sounds like it is even worse. Like I can't. There's no way for me to sort out like what the now is in C series time. And so, yeah, or well, not what the now is, but why, why, why this now. particular yeah. letter in the alphabet is now? Yeah, why is why why am I experiencing n instead of m? Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, I, I, I I just brought it up because it was another letter. Yeah. Got a theory. Have you heard about D series time? No. Tell me about that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna how, write how, that. I feel like C series time is also like the kind of like bullshit that philosophers pull when they're like, I know how I'm gonna get published. Mm. C series time. Well, so last thing, unless you guys have anything else before we go to the break, but I think one of the things that was interesting about B series time, one, it seems to jive with models within physics and, and, and how the universe works. But I think one of the things that helped kind of describe that to me and how the model of, of B time, B theory time could work is describing it as block time. Oh yeah, that's the, like the growing block or whatever, right? Well, no, there's no. So this is the super confusing thing when you get into this. No, there's grow growing block. It's a theory is, that says everything in the past everything in and the everything past, in present is real. Yeah, everything in the past still exists. Time, time is like a growing block, right? That starts in the past, and every instant of time that occurs adds to the block. So right. it's a growing block. So the past exists. And the present, the present exists. exists. It's kind of like it's, somewhere in between A and B. Right. I think it's technically a, a subset of B theory time because right. the past exi- still exists in some way. Right. Um, but block time basically says that it, that time should be treated like all other fundamental components of existence in the universe, like uh, space and mass and light. Yeah, and that it exists. The reason they call it bl- block time is because it exists like in all directions simultaneously, you past, know? present, and future. Yeah, and and that you know you you it's a, it's it's as much a kind of three dimensional component of the universe as space or matter. Should we in that I'm case so confused? Should we be looking light? for a time particle? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's yes. a great way to get published. Yeah. <laughs> And build a let's build a large hadron collider for the time particle. I think it's the plot of the third GI Joe movie. <laughs> GI Joe time particle. Search for Curly's time particle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's enough for now. Mid show break. Yes, yes, let's do it. Hey everyone, it's Mark. We just wanted to take a few seconds and thank everyone for listening. And if you're enjoying the show so far, there's something we'd like to ask you to do to help us out. Head over to iTunes and give us a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Ratings, reviews, and subscriptions are the main factors that determine whether we get noticed and the podcast becomes a weekly fixture in your ears. We'd really appreciate the support. Now back to the show. Okay, so in the second half of the show, we like to talk about interesting uh, trivia and facts that we learned during our research uh, for the show. 
And we talked a little bit about relativity earlier. And when I was kind of reading up on that, I read about this interesting experiment. There have been lots of experiments um, to demonstrate uh, the accuracy of um, the special and general theories of relativity. What I think is counts as the cheapest experiment ever to demonstrate the effects of relativity um, was conducted in 1971 um, by Joseph Halfway and Richard Keating. And this uh, is like the effects of relativity on, on time, time Sorry, Yeah, yeah, right. on time right. specifically. Um, and so it, what they did was they bought uh, plane tickets on commercial airliners uh, for in the name of Mr. Clock. And then they put an atomic clock on those commercial planes and they were like i don't know f like long intercontinental flights mr clock sounds like one of the alien characters from dark city <laughs> 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 mr clock it's time to tune all right so they flew it is also like a sweet time movie <laughs> <laughs> so they flew the plane they just put it on these commercial airliners and let it sit there over the course of multiple flights so they put it on flights Wait, going, traveling east where did they put it in a seat like on the plane it's mr clock it's, they bought a seat this is what i love about the experiment it cost eight thousand dollars to right. run this experiment okay, but they told people they were doing this right yeah there's actually like, like they had consent from the airlines they, there's so actually they like the this wasn't like so pre-9-11 that you could like buy a seat on an airplane and just put a suitcase in it and be like <laughs> See ya. No, no. Every because the way no. you were telling it was like the way you were telling it was like it kind of sounded like they were doing this covertly, like nobody oh, no. knew about. It. They're just like, yeah, I'm gonna no, no, no. a buy a seat it, it, under the name Mister Clock. <laughs> hey, do you hear something ticking from that seat next door with no one sitting in it? <laughs> yeah, it's an uh, atomic uh, clock. Yeah. Uh, Tick tock. Uh, hey, Leslie, who's got seat JB? <laughs> uh, it's Mister Clock. Oh, well, that makes sense for the ticking. <laughs> Are these planes run out of like the Bronx? Or yeah, what? yeah. And Bronx. Back, then, back then, all all the 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 flight attendants were Bronx mafioso. Right. So there's actually interesting sort of like PR photos or I guess press photos from these experiments where the PR stands for press release. <laughs> oh, they thank could, you. They could be press uh, photos. Uh, uh, where. There are photos of uh, stewardesses standing in the aisle, like next to the atomic clock, checking their watches. Getting slowly irradiated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Serving at drinks. So uh, anyway, uh, I just thought it was interesting that they ran this experiment in this so like totally like lo-fi way, like using commercial airliners and yeah. portable atomic clocks. And sure enough, the clocks are end up being out of sync with the clocks that they had. Um, on the ground at the Naval Observatory. Yeah, I mean it's crazy how for eight thousand bucks you can, yeah in no, nineteen seventy one dollars you can it's crazy how activity. how precise the like measuring instruments we had you know even back in the sixties and seventies are and like how like how how precise our understanding of math was that we were able to do things that like NASA existed and did all the things that it did and that you can, I mean, like the speed of a commercial airline and the amount of time yeah. dilation that happens on a commercial airline versus what's happening on the surface of the earth is so minuscule. Like I can't even, I don't remember what it was, but I mean, they, like I said, they earlier in the show, they do this on the international space station all the time where they send atomic clocks up with people. And you know, somebody might stay up there for six months or whatever, which no, like 
how long was a the longest commercial flight? You know, yeah, but and, but it's like billionths of a second. I mean, to oh your point, yeah, like that, that's what I that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Is, is that yeah. even when you're yeah. sending somebody up to the International Space Station mm-hmm. and that thing's traveling way faster than a commercial plane yeah. relative to the surface of the Earth, and that somebody's up there for six months, even when they come back, it's the amount of time difference, the amount that their clocks have slowed down is so minuscule that it is hard to believe that in the 70s they were doing this on a commercial right. airline and, and were, able to, were able to measure a difference. And now, so I guess it's important to note that it's not just that they were able to measure a difference, but they were able to measure the difference predicted by yeah. relativity, by yeah. the theory of relativity. So it's like confirming not just of the general um, phenomenon, but confirming of the theory specifically. Yeah, the fact that all that was worked out by a pattern clerk in his spare time <laughs> with pencil and paper before yeah. World War One is yeah. uh, is crazy. Yeah. So Leonardo DiCaprio will star in that movie, right? Yes, okay. I can't wait. Catch me if you can, relativity style, where he's running around <laughs> the world with a as an airline pilot carrying an atomic clock. I, I have one other crossover. The other, the other star in Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, Steven Spielberg classic "Catch Me If You Can" was Tom Hanks, yeah. who played the part in a castaway of a person whose job was to send clocks on planes that were uh, supposedly delivering FedEx packages yeah. to understand how long it took to get a package from A to B. He would wrap up a clock and send it, and open the clock at the other end and say, "Hey, oh really? Yeah, it only took you. It took you, you know, twenty seven hours." That to was get part this. of his character's backstory. That's how. That's how he was. Um, uh, uh, wrecked on the island. He was in one of those planes. Yeah, I remember that he like worked for UPS or whoever sponsored well, was, that movie. It was, but... it, was, it was the idea that, that they were somewhat being reckless. That that you know, in the interests of of, of the fast modern paced life, oh. is that uh, he uh, he he learned the, the 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 value of of taking things slowly and calmly away from from civilization. Man, all of that was lost on me. Also, the idea that he was like sending those clocks. In these planes to time out how yeah, long it took. Why didn't he just like that? Start a stopwatch on his well, like phone. Work out when they left and work out when that. they arrived. Yeah, well, I think he was doing kind of a door-to-door test. Oh, I, I was going to say, if I dropped off in the store, like the operating costs of like the store clerk in the UPS store processing it and putting it on the truck, and then the internal systems, and then at the other end, uh, getting it down to the uh, get, like door-to-door uh, service. I think he was trying to time a lot of different things. Yeah, it mm-hmm. just seems like if that was part of the setup of that movie, that time could have played a lot cooler and bigger part of that movie than. I, are we talking about Castaway? Can we talk about something else? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, oh. Can, we can talk about another movie. Well, what else can we talk about? <laughs> well, we can. Yeah, we can transition from that movie into another movie, which fine like, is a movie that I would like to recommend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so most of the interesting stuff that I came across uh, that's relevant to the philosophical debate or discussion, um, we already talked about. I'll bring up one other thing, but um, a lot of the other stuff. Uh, was cool movies that are based on time. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, you know that movies this isn't are not allowed. Well, it's not Star Trek, and it's not The Matrix, or the Animatrix, or any other Matrix <laughs> right. based. I just think that we should be able to illustrate these topics without. Yeah, I'm not going to illustrate any topics. It's just a time related movie oh, that's you just cool. Want to talk about movies. I well, just want to you recommend. You just want this to be our movie podcast. Uh, yeah, this is the movie section of the podcast. <laughs> well, I think I think what uh, it would be great if, if you Where could I recommend illu- a movie. If you if you could illustrate if any of these movies represent A or B theory time. Uh, yeah, no movie kind of represents that because they break all time rules. Okay, what 
It's called. Movie do you want to recommend? Is it called, Mad Max Fury Road? Uh, well, I would recommend Mad <laughs> Max Fury Road um, as well, but it has nothing to do with time. I'd recommend a, a, a Spanish movie uh, called Time Crimes. Time Crimes. Time <laughs> Crimes, uh, which uh, is, I believe that movie was made because the phrase time crime and the fact that it rhymed. Uh, popped into somebody's head and they were like, ah, well, now I got to make something Wait, based on time Spanish. crime. It is Spanish. But with an, en- <laughs> but with, but with an English title? Um, well, when you see it in, in English, it's Crimes English. de tiempo. <laughs> Wait, but then it doesn't rhyme. Yeah, well, no, this is like, yeah, this is like any other thing I, where, are, are, where somebody translates a song and it happens. Have you seen this movie? To, oh, yeah. No, it's great. Can I, uh, can I ask? In, 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 in Spanish, it's called Chrono Crimenes. Oh, it's oh, pretty, which is pretty it's sweet, better, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was, was this made before or after Time Cop? Um, time co- so you're bringing back JCVD into this. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good callback. Uh, I think crossover after because uh, I believe I uh, I believe Time Cop took place or was made. Uh, I don't know, late nineties. This is 2007. Yeah. Okay, definitely. definitely um, after yeah, time after Cop. after Time Cop. Um, so uh, uh, anyways, time time related podcast. It's a cool time travel movie. Um, that's can all based on time. Can you the like, what theme is, or what's, argument? What's the concept? Yeah, we, we can do it. It just time. has time in the what's, title? What's, yeah, it's what's Tom, time. What's Tom Hanks in it? No, Tom Hanks wasn't in it. That could have tied it in. Uh, it's a sweet, it's super low budge. I, I'm, I'm bringing it up because probably nobody's seen it. Because it's yeah. like, it's, I'm not saying like, hey, we did a podcast in time. You should see this cool time travel movie called The Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> or Back to the Future. Uh no, it's like a super low budge Spanish um, time travel movie. And if you're interested in the idea of time, uh, it, it's it's a cool short little ninety minute low budge flick right. um, about time loops, uh, where a character kind of like stumbles into this. Uh, there's there's a crime that happens, and then there's some time travel, uh, and then there's this like constant loop feedback loop on itself. Is there a dubbed version because I hate reading subtitles? Uh, no, there isn't a dubbed version. Um, <laughs> and and um, uh, I mean, it might as well be dubbed because like it feels like the whole thing was done the, all the audio is done with ADR all because right. it, like even the Spanish Wait, language so version. did you do any research and find anything interesting or you just watched this movie? Uh, I watched this movie. It was really, I mean, yeah, I watched it a while ago. It was, it was really sweet. You should, everybody should watch it. <laughs> How would you say that the mechanics of time um, differ from, say, Primer or Looper? Both well, time loop see, movies. so I would oh, man, say that, look, Chad's big on Primer, <laughs> and I would say, like, if you like a movie like Primer, you should watch Time Crimes. <laughs> see see show notes for our affiliate link. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's free on Amazon Prime right now. What? Primer? Time Crimes. <laughs> no. no. Primer. <laughs> Amazon Prime. So much better than than (laughs) Primer. All right. Okay. So um, that was my one movie-related thing that I get to say for the rest of the history of this podcast. It's fine if you're not trying to illustrate a philosophical concept with a movie. No, I wasn't. Okay. It was a podcast about time, and it's a (laughs) sweet time movie. Uh, I would like. Have you? Did you have any more? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. This one's. This one's. This is much more intellectual. Okay. So, um, like in looking at different time theory and philosophy on time you know the both the a and the b and let's just throw out c because it's like not a lot of people talk about it and nobody else read about it but like weirdly those are still like the two there are subsets of those that have evolved and come up and been developed um since mctaggart first wrote about them but they're still the two primary 
forms of time yeah. philosophy that, that people still talk about today. Um, but I came across um, uh, uh, this guy named Lee Smolin, who's a PhD and a physicist, but he, and he's done, had some major contributions to string theory and um, quantum mechanics and trying to make sense of bringing quantum mechanics and relativity together, which has kind of been an ongoing problem for physicists. But he's also, along the way, gotten pulled down into this conversation about time and how time works. And I like I would write he's he's written a lot of books. Um, the big one that he has that's based almost completely on time is called The New Theory on Time, which kind of crosses over between the philosophy of time and physics. And obviously, I just came across this in the last couple of days as we were working on this episode. So I haven't read it, but I've watched a couple of his um, lectures and, and presentations. And I think anybody who's interested in this and wants to kind of get a modern take on how time works with some really cutting edge ideas on on physics and the philosophy of time works. He's kind of seen as a rabble rouser in the world of physics because he feels like things like string theory and quantum mechanics and relativity are kind of taken as fundamental assumptions now and that not nobody's doing any real interesting work to try to move those things forward or challenge any of the ideas. It's just kind of like oh, there's some major problems in these things and how they don't work together. So let's try to tinker with some little pieces of it. Right. And he feels like there's some more, some some larger, more fundamental things that need to be rethought. The big one being, you know, he considers himself a believer of naturalism, which that's the idea that like all things can be described by what exists in the natural physical yeah. world, that all things yeah. e- exist and are based on the laws of physics, that there is no other layer of things right so like when we when we talk about like physicalism physicalism and consciousness and those things that like our consciousness doesn't exist somewhere else other than in the physical world um and there's one form of of naturalism which he calls type one naturalism which is everything exists according to a set of fixed laws the universe operates according to a set of set laws of physics and mathematics Um, But then there's another type of naturalism, which is kind of what he believes in, which says that everything is described and and works and behaves according to set laws of physics, but that those things change and evolve in the same. Yeah, the laws themselves change and evolve in the same way that like organisms change and evolve over time and that the idea of a bacteria or a virus or any other living organism evolving over time. So like as the universe expands, the laws of physics change. They just, they, they, he will, I mean, he says that he thinks that they change and that they change according to, for different reasons and at different rates. And that some of them can change. Like we see like huge changes in evolution over really short periods of time. We see giant spikes and we see long periods of slow evolution and he feels he believes that the laws of physics change and evolve in the same way and that also you have the same scale thing that we talked about earlier where it's like i'm going to build my theory of gravity based on what i can observe on this planet but then when i try to apply those to galaxies interacting it doesn't yeah. work and i've got to like rework that theory that, that that all that those laws change on those types of scales as well so 
he very much believes that there is a naturalist equation for how time works that also works with the way that we experience it. He basically believes that there's a version of of a theory time in a way that works the way that we experience it, but that also works with like a universal unified well, theory of that physics. would be great. I think that's the best outcome for this dilemma mm-hmm. because I always uh it always makes me uncomfortable when our theories in physics are impossible to say out loud in English without mm-hmm. contradiction. Right. Or when there are philosophical arguments that make complete logical sense but also intuitively feel wrong, right? Like determinism is one of those that I'm sure when we do that episode, we'll get deep into. But determinism is one of those things that personally, when I hear the argument for it from a philosophical standpoint, it's hard for me to argue against it. But it feels incredibly counterintuitive because we feel like we have agency. And that's another thing that he thinks is fundamentally broken about B-theory types of time philosophy and that where he's headed with his combination of philosophy of time and physics. All right, we he believes sh- is we should do a whole episode on this guy. He well, believes. Well, he, te- he, technically, we already have done one in the future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he right. well, no, not according to him, but because he also, that, that, it's also really interesting because then he looks at the effects of your approach to time theory on politics and civics and social structure, and he feels like. B theory time and things like determinism are not just are not just wrong in terms of their description of the universe and how time works, but obviously incredibly destructive. If you got everybody on the planet to believe in determinism and it wasn't true, it'd be really bad for us because everybody would just be like, "Well, future's already done. Doesn't matter what I do." Like it's, I'm going it, to phone in the rest of my life. It, right? it's, it's the Catholic model where hasn't God already decided whether I'm I'm saved or I'm not? So I mean, he talks about like envir- like environmental catastrophe and kind of where we are in history and the fact that like we need to make some major decisions as a species about how we're going to move forward. Yeah. And if you believe in determinism, like that can go really badly. But if you believe that you have agency in the world and you can make change. And you can impact the future. This is so, like the trailer for our episode on free will and determinism. In a world. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait for that episode. Uh, as you know, I have some very specific viewpoints on that topic. In a world where Lee Smolin has free will. What's his name? Lee Lee Smolin. Can is we he... get him as a guest what? star? Man, on you don't think we're good enough for you? <laughs> You, I'm in a the right. second time you've called for a guest on this show. <laughs> While you were talking. Yeah. Uh, Paco, uh, do you think someone else yeah, can talk right Lee, now? If you weren't there and Lee Smolin was, could we make that happen? <laughs> All right. So, All right. Um, yeah, time crimes and Lee Smolin. Okay, great. Uh, I, I have uh, I have very limited uh, uh, list. I, I, was, uh, I, I saw a great uh, plaque while we're searching uh uh, this topic on Wikipedia. You and saw the plaque on Wikipedia, or you saw it while you were researching on Wikipedia? Uh, while I was researching Wikipedia, there was a, a picture of a building with a plaque that commemorated uh, a birth of a famous person, John L. Flugelhorn, the inventor of time travel, who was born in 1849 and died in 1909. Wait, lived... wait, we invented time travel? Well, that's the thing. We did in the future, <laughs> or we did in the past. So one of the proofs of 
uh, one of the proofs of, of time travel is shouldn't there be time travelers amongst yeah. us already? Yeah. Uh, so I think that that has some uh, particular apl- applications. I don't know really what the answer to that is. Like, if there aren't any time travelers, does that mean time travel is not possible at all? Or are there more rules about it that you can't go back? Maybe you can only go forward. Are you asking me what the rules of time travel? Yeah, are? I'm just. Like, <laughs> it's like the Drake equation. Or are you looking for proof? Like, I mean, I mean, one potential proof is that John Hillerman, the 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 actor who 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 played Higgins, um, potentially also uh, wrote about. Was McTaggart? McTaggart? Yeah, it was McTaggart? McTaggart? <laughs> throughout throughout history. Wait, yeah. What was the plaque? Uh, this, this plaque. It was. It was. It was a gag. It was this uh, uh, time travel that lived in this in this one house, um, yeah. and it was uh, commemorating his great achievements of inventing time travel. He was born <laughs> in 1849, died in 1909. He lived in the building in 2063. Right. So oh, a, so it was a <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So um, go to Amazon Prime, watch Time Crimes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm getting. For my recommendations, <laughs> and then Mark comes in here with a joke plaque from Wikipedia. <laughs> my my other piece of trivia is uh, <laughs> I just because that just came to me, and I just find it uh, amusing. Um, maybe uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, McTaggart uh, could have you know popularized this theory more if he'd had help from TC and Rick to actually yes <laughs> publish this wider. Um, so the so the well tri- no, I think he he would have he would have been more successful if TC and Rick. And Magnum weren't causing so much trouble for him on, <laughs> on, the, on, on the big and island. He, yeah, and he could have just he, sat there and yeah. written his philosophical treatise. Yes, yeah. Yeah. instead but of instead, pretending to be Robin Masters. Yeah, but instead, <laughs> Magnum's you know stealing the Ferrari and yeah. Oh yeah, it was it, it was very disruptive to his philosophical work mm-hmm. for sure. So, so on the theory of of people who possibly are or aren't time travelers, uh, came across this great anecdote that uh, a previously um, untouched uh, uh, village in the, uh, the deepest uh, uh, jungles of South America, where uh, missionaries or explorers arrived to, to greet them for the first time, and they were trying to learn their language in an explorative way. And um, as they were learning their language, they were talking with the tribe elders. And every time they, uh, the elder would talk about uh, an event um, in the future, he would wave his hand behind his head. That uh, that event, and every time he talked so about confusing, and every time he talked about a future, uh, 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 an event in the past, he would point his hand out in front of him. All right. He's like, he's like, do you want to move this meeting forward or backward? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it, it turned out is, is, can we do this at work <laughs> where it's like where do you which way do you want to move the meeting mark like this so then i'll wave my hand behind me or wave my hand in front of me because uh, the the initial speculation that um uh, was in some sociological magazines was like wow we've found a tribe that perceives time differently that maybe if all of the notions of what our sense of now is is a, a factor of our either a culture or our nurture it was such a terrible time in sociology when we <laughs> thought that we could infer those things from language but yeah so so but it but it turned out in the end um the 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 metaphor that this particular tribe had with time wasn't any different from ours and the reason why they were talking about the future as waving behind the head is that's the things they can't see because it's in the future and hasn't right. happened yeah, and yeah. the things that are in the past are in front of them hence waving forwards like i can yeah. see those things yeah. that happened i've heard i've heard this story before like applied to uh native american tribes so I, like i wonder if that's I wonder if that that anecdote is historically accurate, or or or, also, or, or potentially just 
reflected or, in, like, in, in yeah. multiple cultures yeah. as like a just a practical implication of, of being able to represent something yeah. that's abstract. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like one thing you can't see and have no yeah. knowledge of and it's behind you and one thing you've already experienced and you can see it and you know it. Agreed. I, I, I heard a great podcast on Groundhog Day where they, they kept looping the entire episode uh. and they got to different points and they'd start again within the context of the podcast. Let's I, not do that. I think that instead of starting this podcast over right now, we should end it. Good move. Agreed. Okay. Well, um, that's it. That's all. That's see, it. That's, see, that's, you, that's, see you next time. That's all the time we have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Terrible jokes end now. That wraps it up for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and give us a rating in iTunes. As always, you can find us online at you'vegotitallwrong.net, where you can find show notes for today's episode. You can also send us an email to feedback at you'vegotitallwrong.net with questions, comments, or recommendations for show topics. And you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Paco Allen. I'm at Chad Allen. And I'm at M. Saunders. <laughs> oh wait! I don't even need to put. I don't even need to put the. I don't need to put the music in. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, intro music.